Well, we need to understand that women are going to spend a third of their life in this phase of life. And this is when we have the most to give because we now have institutional wisdom. We have life history. We now are really comfortable as who we are as individuals and we can help those that are coming from coming behind us. And this is where we just need a little bit of help to be able to get the tools that help us to refigure and reconfigure and know how to help this body to do what it's supposed to do. Help it to go to sleep at night, help it to get up in the morning, help it to have enough energy to get through the day because it's gonna be us that help with our communities, help with society and help with humanity. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast. It's season four, and here we are still reimagining, rethinking, and redefining what it means to be in midlife and what's possible as we age. We are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. I created this podcast to give you inspiration and let you know you're not alone in feeling stuck in midlife. Both men and women are welcome here, but if you are a woman, I also invite you to join the Age Agitators Club for Women, where we come together monthly to hatch our plans for making waves as we age. Being part of this community for women will remind you on a regular basis that you're not too old and it's never too late to do that thing you've been thinking about. You can find more information at latebloomerliving.com forward slash community, and I hope to see you there. Hello, my friend. Welcome to part two of the lowdown on menopause and how to balance our hormones with Dr. Lakeisha McMillan. Last week, we talked to Dr. Lakeisha about her own personal experience of having uh, something that launched her into an early perimenopause. And she didn't know what the heck was going on for her at that time. So we really talked about how little understanding there was for her, even though she was an MD, and how it was confusing for her. So go back and listen to that. And where we're going to go from here today is I am going to ask all the questions that I selfishly had for Dr. Lakeisha in the hopes that it gives you the information that you need as well as you're going through perimenopause or menopause or wherever you are in that journey. Let me give you a little bit of the street cred for Dr. Lakeisha and why I brought her here. She is an OBGYN with a mission to empower women as they're aging, to feel confident in knowing about how to balance their hormones. She is a speaker. She is an author. She wrote a book called The Other PMS, Your Survival Guide for Perimenopause and Menopause. And she has been a contributor to several online and print publications. And I'm so glad to have her back. So without further ado, welcome back, Dr. Lakeisha McMillan. Let's go. I want to switch into the myriad questions that I have about, about menopause and perimenopause and, uh, and kind of my experience of it and what you've seen from other people. Mm -hmm. I, uh, you talked 
a little bit about your adrenal system being in the tank. Mm -hmm. Um, and I am fast. So can you explain perimenopause and menopause in that transition real quick? Absolutely. Because I think there's a lot of confusion around that. Absolutely. So perimenopause is actually a new term that has probably come up probably within the last 10 to 15, 10, 10 15 years or so. Um, some people called it premenopause. It, it may have been referred to that. Um, and now I think that there, there is a nomenclature that's out there now that's calling it the menopause transition. So Perimenopause is the is the terminology I'm comfortable with and use. It is the time before you actually have a complete cessation of your period. And it can last from anywhere to two years, five years, seven years, 10, 15 years before <laughs> the complete cessation of your period. That is Lulu. That is Lulu crazy. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And and I think it is one of those things where as I've been sitting in this space and looking out and and being here, too, I believe that a lot of the (laughs) a lot of the symptoms that a lot of people are just told, oh, you're getting old. Oh, you're just getting old is really the cessation of your hormones. So like your joint stiffness or joint pain all of a sudden or inability to sleep at night, or the brain fog, or the weight gain, or the hair texture changing, or your skin changing, feeling itchy all of a sudden, itching in the ears, the vertigo, the dizziness, you know, all these little things that you go to your doctor and they do all these tests and say, you're testifying. And you're like, no, 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 something's wrong. I believe that those are symptoms of perimenopause. We're going to find out probably more and more as we continue these conversations that these are like the symptoms that happen when such and such starts falling or this particular hormone isn't really doing what it's supposed to do. And so perimenopause is that time around menopause, like I just said, where certain hormones are not going as high as they used to or they're dropping too soon within the cycle that you used to have menopause is actually a retrospective diagnosis. What that means is that you have to have 12 consecutive months of no period. 12 consecutive months, not six months, not eight months. I got to 10. 10 months. I got to 10. And then it did it. And I was like, what? That's right. You got to start that clock all over again. 10 months and start the clock over. I was like, come on. It's important because if you have postmenopausal bleeding in the absence of any type of hormone replacement, we have to make sure there's no cancer in the uterus. That's the reason. That's the big, Mm. big reason. Because we were always taught postmenopausal bleeding. When I say we, OBGYNs in our training, postmenopausal bleeding is uterine cancer until proven otherwise. Now there can be polyps, they are not precancerous. There can be a fibroid that for some odd reason got a little irritated and bled a little bit too. There can be even some types of bacteria that get into the cervix or into the uterus that can cause a little irritation of that uterine lining that can cause some bleeding. But you have to evaluate the uterine cavity. If you have 12 consecutive months, you are not on any type of hormone replacement. You have bleeding. We have to figure that out. 
So that is why that definition is super important. 12 consecutive months, like you said, 10 months, 11 months, you have to start that clock over. I'm so sorry. I've, I've had to give the, the bad news to a lot of people, but it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, you really have to make sure. Now, this is where this is where I probably veer a little bit off from some, some people. So there are people that say 12 months and a day, you're postmenopausal. Okay. Once you've had 12 consecutive months, you are postmenopausal. I found that when I used to tell patients you're postmenopausal, they would say, okay, so when is my body going back to the to that time back there? And I would say, well, you're kind of in this new phase of life. So I just called it the menopausal phase of life is what I was so that you can now know, okay, because I don't have hormones that are in the same, you know, they are not going as high as they used to or as low as they used to because there is an imbalance. My body has changed. So I need new tools to be able to address that. So there, there's a terminology, there's postmenopausal, there's menopause, and there's peri or premenopause. And like I said, some people call it the menopause transition, where you're going through perimenopause into that 12 consecutive months of, of no period. Yeah. Wow. I've heard recently in, in some of the research I was doing to talk to you today, some a comparison of perimenopause to like, let's say, um, reverse adolescence. Ooh. I like that. Yeah. Well, Does actually, that make sense to you? Cause and having to do with the adrenal system and, and all that stuff. And is, and is that why we're so freaking stressed out? I mean, oh my gosh. Yes. Because we don't have the capacity to have that resiliency. If you don't take care of your adrenals, if you don't take care of the stressors. So how do you take I, care of your adrenals? Does it have to be through hormonal re hormone replacement therapy? Because I will say I, I haven't done it yet. I'm, I, I, I think I've finally come to the point where I'm like, I think I'm ready for HRT just based on everything that's going on for me. Gotcha. I mm -hmm. think it's time. And I'm about to go see my doctor. I'm just here's all my business out in the world. Right, but, right. but, um, but I was hesitant for all the reasons that you talked about in that early study and all the things and the murky information and all that. And I thought, well, gosh, can't I handle this? And I'm going to put it in quotes naturally. Mm -hmm. Like, is there a way to um, manage our adrenal system? I mean, that is that hormones? Is that what's happening in the adrenal question. system? So your adrenals make hormones. Okay. Okay. And when we get older, there is research that shows that you don't have the ability to make those hormones the way you used to. As you go into perimenopause, you may not be able to make, for instance, enough progesterone that comes from the adrenals that you used to make. You may not make as much of your, um, your androgen steroids, which is in the class of like testosterone and the male hormones. We both men and women make those same type of hormones. You may not make the right balance of your cortisol to cortisone. So the way that I like to always say, think of the adrenals, think of the adrenals as if they are dripping, they drip little um, amounts of your stress hormones into your body all day. A like little, a little bit faucet? Yeah, little, a little drip, right? Uh -huh. 
they drip in adrenaline, norepinephrine, epinephrine, because you need that to function. You need that when you're driving. I'm in Maryland. So when we're on the beltway and we're driving, you want to make sure that you're paying attention. You can see the cars coming in. If you have that car that almost comes in your lane and both of you react and you don't have that car accident, you have that little flare that comes up and you oh, hand yeah. start rushing. Yes, that is your fight or flight. That's your adrenals taking care of you doing mm -hmm. what is necessary to help you survive. Now, when everything becomes that near miss car accident, when the call from the mother-in-law or the call from your kids or the boss or the, and, and you get that little flare all the time, you can't live like that. It burns you out. And so the- Oh, adrenal can I just say literally it burns you out? Can I just say, yes. ask you- I have noticed a direct connection between my hot flashes and stress. I have a stressful thought and whoosh, the hot flash comes. And, I, you know, because I started meditating like five years ago and have a pretty regular practice, um, the hot flashes are much more content. Like now that I am definitely, you know, past the menopause thing, it, that has calmed. I still get night sweats, but an occasional hot flash will pop up and it is still tied to a stressful thought. And because I'm watching my thoughts and used to doing that, I would sit in a, I remember sitting, meditating and being like a hot flash would come up and I'd go, oh, oh, look at that. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> you know, and it was like, this is all tied together. When I think stressful things, the hot flashes come. Isn't that interesting? And I got curious about it. And then I would just sit and watch the hot flash, like come and go. Yep. Yeah. And it yep. and and it would chill, literally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. So I don't know if I've taken you completely off course, no, but that, that's great because what what the adrenals need, they need what are called adaptogenic herbs that help them to be able to produce what they need to produce to help you get through your day. Adaptogenic what, what, ah, was, yes. what was that? Adaptogenic, adaptogenic herbs. So like herbs. ashwagandha, ashwagandha rhodiola, L-theanine, the adrenals love those. They use them as little building blocks to make what you need from the adrenals. So are those supplements that a person yes. can take? Okay, yes. okay. Those are supplements. Uh -huh. Now, adding on HRT or BHRT, which kind of identifies as a bioidentical hormone therapy can be another layer to be able to help give the body something else that it needs so that the adrenals can say, okay, I'll stay over here and I'll keep doing what I need to do instead of trying to steal from other places and, and help you just get through your day. Mm. And that's why you can feel exhausted and you can feel just totally drained and not have the ability to manage your weight very well either. Because if the adrenals are hijacking the system, then you don't have what is necessary for even the thyroid to function properly, for your neurotransmitters to function properly, for your gut to function properly. Um, all that stuff kind of gets shut down. Wow. Does does doing thing? I think I saw you do a, one of your one of your reels. I think you were going in for like a spa type treatment of some sort. I can't remember what. And you talked about doing that to help balance your hormones. So can you speak to that for a minute? Absolutely. I go and do salt floats. So salt? A <gasps> I've salt done a salt float. float. My friend Donita got me one when I was out in Seattle. That was trippy. Okay, talk I about that. I love it. I love it. So the place I go 
it, um, I do two things there. I do the, um, those, the infrared sauna first uh-huh. and then, and that's 30 minutes. So that helps to start detoxifying and helping some of those toxins to be, you know, come out through my pores and sweat out. And then I go and do an hour in the tank, in the magnesium salt tank. So you have the infrared that can help because it also has light therapy. So different wavelengths of light can actually help to send signals to the cells. You have to think of yourself as like a, a cell. Just If you think that your entire body is just made up of all these cells and the cell needs certain things to function at its best. So the light therapy can literally help the cells, their little channels on the cells open and close, open and close. And so that there's, information that can get in the cell or great nutrients can get in the cell and toxins can come out of the cell, get through the bloodstream and you can poop and pee them off or sweat them off. Then you go into the float tank and it's a big old bath of magnesium salt. You are literally like floating in the Dead Sea, right? Right. It's, it's just like, like, it just holds you up. Yes, above. Yes. Yeah. It is just trippy. Floating. It is and so it, it was like a pod. It was yes. like a, a pod thing a that pod came that down. Over. Yeah. Now, the one I go in actually almost opens like a shower and uh-huh. then I lay down. So the ceiling is nice and high. Ah, it's not a pod that comes down this way. It's amazing. I love the place I go. So then I just float in there for an hour. Now this does several things because I've gotten to the point where I can to almost complete sensory deprivation. Mm-hmm. I still like sometimes to hear a little music to come through, but I turn off the lights. Um, you can turn off the sound and you can just float. Magnesium has been shown to operate and be a contributor to over 400 reactions in the body. Think of yourself as all these little reactions, literally cellular reactions happening. So when I say think of a reaction, it's almost like making spaghetti. You have to have the different steps. So you take your pot, you put water in it. That's one step in the reaction. You take that pot of water, you put it on the stove. That's another step in the reaction. Now you take salt and you put salt in the water. That's another reaction. Now you have to turn the stove on because it's not gonna boil if you don't have a heat source. All these are steps in the reaction. So when you go in a lab, like when I was studying biochemistry or chemistry, I had to learn all the steps so a reaction can happen. And these reactions are what make you function. And what does magnesium do? So magnesium can help with your, it can help with brain. So people that say, my brain can't shut off at night. My brain can't shut off at night. Magnesium goes in and it actually helps serotonin turn into melatonin. It helps that progesterone to come in and help that serotonin pathway to actually start flipping those molecules to change shape so that it becomes a different molecule that we name melatonin. That's that a reaction. Crazy. Our bodies are freaking crazy. It's yes. amazing. Yes. yes. <laughs> Magnesium goes into our intestinal tract so that it helps the smooth muscle to do that peristalsis so that we can go to the bathroom okay. Um, so that's why people know magnesium can help me. You made this little move with your, with your hands yes, that was like, like waves. So that's yes. like the, it's pushing everything yes. out. It's exactly. it, as it, that yep, is okay. Yes, uh-huh. yes, yes, yes. 
Okay. So magnesium can be helpful in just helping with tissue relaxation. Magnesium can be helpful so that your body, so that your, your kidneys can actually filter through all that needs to go through the kidneys so that you can have healthy urine. Magnesium is needed there too. So wow. when you, you have to remember your skin is your biggest organ. And the magnesium just kind of goes in and it actually can cross the skin barrier and goes into your body. So you're basically just soaking up this wonderful magnesium while you're just laying there. Can you ever get too much magnesium? Is that like a thing? No, it's so, not toxic. And, and supplements. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like if you can't go do a salt float, the supplements are a good thing. Yeah. So if you can't do a salt float, do the supplements. I even do supplements with the salt float because depending on if you're not going to the salt float every day. Right. So you may, if you go once or twice a month, you still may need that if you're still having some symptoms. Now, um, some people, when they take a lot of magnesium, it can make you go to the bathroom and make you have a little bit of diarrhea. So I say, if you get to that point, then just back off. That's really the the symptom you'll have if you have too much magnesium. Good to know. Good to know. And speaking of your skin being this, this giant, giant organ that absorbs things, I have heard that um, it is a better protocol to get your HRT through a patch through the skin as opposed to orally. Is that, can you talk to oh, that, speak to that yes. a little bit? We, we can definitely talk about that. So transdermal, is what you're talking about. Delivery systems for BHRT are better because it doesn't necessarily go through what we call first pass metabolism. So that means that it's less of it going through the liver having to be broken down and, and that molecule shape change happening. And you then processing the, what we call metabolites out through your intestines or your kidneys. So poop and pee basically. Gotcha. Um, I have heard or, it, or what I heard about it was that it also is safer with the whole question of blood clots. Am I on target there? Uh, so, yeah. So I know what you're talking about. When you do oral BHRT or when you do oral estrogen, specifically oral estrogen, that is going to break down to a type of estrogen that some people can't clear as readily, which is the E1 estrogen or estrone. And it's the estradiol that you really want. And there are different types of, there's 4-OH-E1, there's 2-OH, there's 60, all these different types of shapes that the estrogen can turn into. And some people, when it goes down through the estrone pathway, it's stickier and it stays there. And that one can actually attach to DNA and cause the DNA to to change and become damaged and increase your risk for cancer and increase your risk for clots. Mm -hmm. So that's why we don't necessarily like the oral form of estro estrogen um, for HRT purposes because it tends to go down and make that type of a metabolite faster than people can clear it. Mm, okay. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here because I want to let you know that this podcast episode is brought to you by Midlife Cues. Are you looking to live life more intentionally and grow personally as you get older? The Midlife Cues newsletter is the perfect solution for you. Every Sunday, you can open up your email to find a weekly newsletter filled with carefully researched resources and tools to help you live your best life. 
It's written and published by Lou Blazer, who left a successful career in corporate America and now focuses on helping midlifers be truly happy and feel fulfilled in the second half of their lives. You can subscribe today at midlifecues.com. Can you explain for me too the difference between chemical HRT, and I hope I'm using the right terms here, versus bioidentical versus, I think there's even another term for um, body identical is something I may have heard. So what I like to say, so there is synthetic versus bioidentical. Okay. So your synthetics are really what you even find in, in birth control pills. Mm-hmm. So they take them in the lab and they make a, it's almost like making a fake key that can trick the body. And it looks like estrogen. It looks like progesterone. Mm-hmm. So it can go and sit on the receptor. When I say receptor cells have these little things that pop up on top of them that are called receptors in that fake kind of Like key. an antenna? Is it kind yeah, of Yeah, exactly. Antenna. That little antenna. Uh-huh. And it come in and it can sit there and actually turn it on. And that synthetic one then goes and makes these different types of metabolites is what it's called. I say these, these are the little children they make. And these children are very unruly. They do not follow the rules. And then they go all over the body and cause havoc. Mm. Whereas bioidentical hormones, they are made in a lab, but they come from a more natural source. And they actually make them to really look like what the body used to make. So it's not like somebody disguised as it, but it really does look like the progesterone, the estrogen you used to make. And it comes and it sits on the receptor. And then the children they make are very respectful. They know how long they're supposed to stay in the body. They know when they're supposed to leave and they get out of the system and your body knows exactly what to do with them. And the bioidentical hormones, is that something that you have to have done at a compound pharmacy or usually, yes. usually yes. yeah. So okay. usually yes. If and and the reason I even like compounding pharmacies is because me as the practitioner, as the doctor writing the prescription, I can really tailor how much you're getting. And I can talk to the pharmacist and I can even say, hey. I want, you know, for instance, I want Yvonne to have what is called micronized progesterone, which is the terminology we use that says, hey, this is going to be bioidentical. And I want to say, hey, you know, Yvonne has a has a sensitivity to to dyes. Um, Can you put it in a clear capsule for her? Oh, absolutely. Sure. Okay, so I only want her to get 25 milligrams. Okay, no problem. Whereas when I go to the big chain pharmacies, I can only prescribe you a hundred milligrams because there is bioidentical that you can get from the big chains. And that name is a different name, but we know that it's bioidentical, but I can only give you certain pre-done doses and they start like at a hundred, 200, 300 and whatever capsule it's in, that's what you get. So whereas I can really customize the dosing and really talk to the pharmacist and see what other types of what are called fillers are put in there. Mm-hmm. Whereas you kind of have to get what you get when you go to the big chains. Gotcha. And I understand too that there's some problems with insurance coverage. With do is oh, it absolutely. just with bioidenticals or is it with having to go to the compound pharmacy? Where's that line? Of... I think it's with bioidenticals. I don't believe really? it's necessary 
necessarily with what the- do we need to do to change that like that is we need lobbyists on capitol hill to be honest yeah. yeah to be able to say this is as important as viagra was this is our viagra moment yeah. and this is really, you know, just like you took time and I say you, I'm just using generic, you know, Congress or whoever at that time was able to get funding and research to say, hey, they were looking at Viagra for heart disease, actually, right? And people that actually had heart attacks and found this wonderful side effect, I did air quotes, y'all, <laughs> of how it actually helped with erectile dysfunction. The reason it did that is because it actually increased the amount of nitric oxide that was floating around in the body, which causes vasodilation which is what is part of the mechanism of action, which you need to have an erection. So they were like, oh my gosh, we found this wonderful side effect. We can actually repurpose this because it wasn't doing great for preventing heart attacks. Let's use it this way. Well, we need to understand that women are going to spend a third of their life in this phase of life. And yeah. this is when we have the most to give. Because we now have institutional wisdom. We have life history. We now are really comfortable as who we are as individuals. And we can help those that are coming from coming behind us. And this is where we just need a little bit of help to be able to get the tools that help us to re- figure and reconfigure and know how to help this body to do what it's supposed to do. Help it to go to sleep at night, help it to get up in the morning, help it to have enough energy to get through the day because it's gonna be us that help with our communities, help with society and help with humanity. Yeah, and oh my gosh, preach, preach. Oh my gosh. Um, and if we have had kids, they're now older and we now have that extra bandwidth where we are not moms to young kids that are completely overwhelmed with what that is. And now we have time to dive in and like give something back to, to our community, give something back to society. And people are shuffling off old people like they're done and like they're burdens. Exactly. And oh my gosh, I'm getting hot under the collar. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. You, you, you said it now you give somebody so going back to the my story that we shared in the other episode i probably didn't say this but i got my hormones balanced i use bioidentical testosterone myself a cream and i'm gonna tell you it has made the biggest difference in my life i tell you i now have more energy the brain fog, the word salad is not there as much. Now I still there a little, but I can manage it because the other things I'm doing too, there's certain supplements that I take, but I now have a, a tween daughter that has now moved into adolescence. And I hope she doesn't hear this podcast who has already, you know, she started her cycle and now I'm trying to weather my, you know, my situation and hers and Ooh, now that could I, be a that could be a bad situation, right? You got the adolescent exactly. hormones and the hormone the, exactly. the hormone imbalance for the older woman, and they come oh together. And oh my gosh, that could all go I completely just, sideways. Exactly. I tell my <laughs> husband all the time, "I'm sorry. I just we're sorry. We're like we are just so sorry." <laughs> but I mean, so if you give women some tools 
then you're able to, like you said, I can now sit with her and go, okay, this is what's happening with you. This is, you know, these are some things that you should probably do. And we've had these conversations because I do have some more bandwidth, a little bit more to deal with and go, and I can recognize it. So I actually recognized her cyclical patterns before she actually even had her first period. Mm -hmm. I was seeing the rise and fall. I was like, oh, I see what's going on here. And we started the dialogue and she was just like, what? She was like, I don't know why I feel this way. And she had horrible insomnia. And so we had to start addressing that. And and you see, if you have somebody that's dealing with their own stuff, how do you else? You're giving from an empty cup. Yep. And if we if we all had more information, like you're able to see these things happening with your daughter, probably you're more aware of what's happening with you. And then you can go, oh, I'm not crazy. This is a physiological thing that is happening and it's perfectly normal and it's okay, but maybe I need to make some adjustments. Maybe I need to tweak something. Maybe I need to do something instead of just feeling like you're plum crazy and having your doctor tell you you're plum crazy and it's all in your head and all those things. And oh my goodness, I'm feeling like I'm on a soapbox today. Oh no, you are preaching to the choir. You are preaching to the choir because I said, if I had a nickel for every woman that came to me and was like, one, my doctor told me I'm too young to be in perimenopause or menopause. And I go, okay, let's just stop there. And telling them, hey, this is what's going on once we do certain tests and giving the, empowering them to understand, like you said, I'm not crazy. Like I really felt that something inside of me had changed and I didn't have the ability to say what it was or to go somewhere and say, Oh yeah, that's it. Okay. No, I I got it. Oh, this person has said, this is what happened to them. Oh, okay. I'm okay. This is normal. This is the next phase. This is the new adolescence, or this is my, this is, you know, puberty part two or whatever we want to call it. I call it the other PMS. That's my phrase that I've, I've coined it, which means PMS for that is perimenopause survival. Like, you know, this is, this is where we have to, now you're like, Oh, okay. This is, this is the next phase. It's going to look different for everyone. There's no cookie cutter type of approach of how it's going to look, but it's going to show up kind of in this variety. And it is normal to happen for you to start feeling different. That's what's normal, but you don't have to stay there because now here is the plethora of items that you can choose from that can help you feel better. Mm. Oh my gosh. I love it. I could talk to you all day. You did just mention the other PMS and I, and I thought, okay, perfect segue because that you have a new podcast coming out, right? I'm not sure sure the timing of when this episode or the, these two episodes will come out versus your launch day for the new podcast, but that it is called the other PMS. What it is. It's called the other PMS, your, your perimenopause, menopause, survival hotline and so it is building on those reels that you saw where I was the telephone operator answering these questions and I said hey 
this could be a something a little more because I was, you know, filming those at like a minute segments. Those are like really, really tiny. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much more to talk about. And I really want to start answering a lot of women's questions out loud for others to hear. And so that is coming out in first quarter of 2024. So be on the lookout for that. And it is just like I said, it's like sitting on, it's like calling, it's like, oh my gosh, there's a hotline I can call to ask this question. And so that's the way I want you to be able to, to feel like you can just call up Dr. Lakeisha and I can be there to answer those questions for you. I'm so, so stinking excited for, first of all, to listen to it. I'm excited for you as part of your whole journey and where you're heading with all of this. I'm excited for all the women who are going to get information. Ah. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I am so, so happy we got to talk and we need to do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me here and for entrusting me with your community. I am such a fan and I really appreciate being able to talk to you guys today. Well, there you have it. I don't know about you, but man, oh man, every time I hear Dr. Lakeisha speak, I feel more and more informed and empowered about how to handle balancing my hormones. And I hope this has been useful for you. Maybe it's something you could go back to, actually. I feel like I, you know, I feel like I need copious notes from this episode. Um, Dr. Lakeisha is launching a podcast of her own it's called the hormone hottie podcast and so that's going to be a resource for you going forward of course there is also her book the other pms your survival guide for perimenopause and menopause so there are resources for you and i will have links to the things in the show notes for you Thank you so much for being with me today. And if you have any questions or any topics you ever want me to cover, please get in touch with me and let me know what's on your mind, what you're struggling with, what you have questions about. If I can bring on another expert to address anything for you, I want to know what is what is on your mind and what is what is it that you're struggling with. Let me know. Um, that is it for now, my friend. I hope you have a great week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.